Uh, we will consider today Baptist Catechism number six, and I would like to begin by reciting the Catechism with you. Uh, question six of our Catechism asks, what things are chiefly contained in the Holy Scriptures? The answer, the Holy Scriptures chiefly contain what man ought to believe concerning God and what duty God requireth of man. Question six of our Catechism asks a very important question. What things are chiefly contained in the Holy Scriptures? Chiefly means mainly or supremely. So the question is, what are the Holy Scriptures mainly about? Our Catechism, remember, has been teaching us about the Holy Scriptures. First, we learn that God has revealed the truth about Himself in a general way in the world that He has made, and in a much more specific way, through His Word. See Baptist Catechism 3. Next, we learn that the Holy Scriptures made up of the Old and New Testaments are the Word of God, and the only certain rule of faith and obedience. That is Baptist Catechism 4. And after that, we learn that the Holy Scriptures are for all men and women. All men are not only permitted, but commanded and exhorted to read, hear, and understand the Holy Scriptures. That is Baptist Catechism 5. Now our Catechism attempts to tell us, concisely, what the Holy Scriptures are mainly about. This is a difficult task, don't you think? The Holy Scriptures are long, and they are complex. How could we possibly say what they are mainly about in only a few words? But I think the answer that our Catechism gives is very good. Again, the Holy Scriptures chiefly contain what man ought to believe concerning God and the duty God requireth of man. So the teaching of Holy Scripture is divided into two main categories. First, the Scriptures teach us what we should believe concerning God. I think this is a perfect summary of the main message of the Bible. The Bible teaches us about God and all things in relation to Him. Who is God? What is God? What are His attributes? God reveals Himself to us in the Holy Scriptures. And so we should read the Scriptures to discover who God is. Furthermore, we may ask, what has God done? What are His acts? And the Scriptures reveal what God has done. In the Scriptures, we find the record of God's act of creation... In the Scriptures we learn that God providentially upholds and governs the world He has made. In the Scriptures we also learn of God's act of redemption and the application of that redemption to God's elect in time. So then the Scriptures teach us about what God has done. They teach us about who He is. And the Scriptures also teach us about who we are in relation to Him. Humans are made in the image of God. We are created to know God, to commune with Him, and to enjoy Him. After God created man, He entered into a covenant of life with man, so that man might relate to God, but man broke the covenant. Adam sinned against God, and all of humanity sinned with Him. But God has mercifully provided a Redeemer, Christ the Lord. We are reconciled to God through faith in Christ, and are made partakers of the new covenant, the covenant of grace. And so our catechism is right. The scriptures are mainly about God. They tell us who He is and what He has done. The scriptures also tell the truth about who we are in relation to Him. You should know that questions 7 through 43 of our catechism will expand upon the first part of the answer, 
given in response to question six. The scriptures mainly tell us about what we are to believe concerning God, and our catechism is mainly about that too. I want you to notice this. This is what the scriptures are mainly about, and this is what our catechism is mainly about, and for good reason. The catechism seeks to summarize the main teaching of the Bible. In questions 7 through 43 of our catechism, we are going to learn all about God, His nature, decrees, creation, providence, and covenant. We will learn about sin, that is man's alienation from God by his fall into sin. We will also learn about the redemption accomplished by God through Jesus Christ the Son and the redemption applied by God through the Holy Spirit. All of that is covered beautifully and succinctly in questions 7 through 43 of our catechism. The Holy Scriptures are mainly about this, and this is what our catechism teaches. Two, the Scriptures teach what duty God requires of man. Duty means obligation or responsibility. What is man obligated to do before God? Well, the Scriptures reveal it. The Scriptures reveal God's law, His moral law, which is binding upon all men. It is summarized in the Ten Commandments. It is summarized even further in those two great commandments which we recited in the first portion of this worship service. Also, we know that God gives special laws associated with each of the covenants that He has entered into with man. We call these positive laws, for they are laws that are added to the moral law. What is the duty that God requires of man? We are to obey His moral law, as it is summarized in the Ten Commandments. Also, we are to obey the positive laws that He has attached to the covenants that He has made with man. Uh, the Lord's Supper is one such law. So too is baptism. Questions 44 through 114 will teach us about the duty God requires of man. Listen to question 44 of our catechism. What is the duty which God requires of man? When we read that question, it should remind us of question 6, which we are considering today. It takes up the second portion of the answer to question 6 and then expands upon it. Question 44 again. What is the duty which God requireth of man? Answer. The duty which God requireth of man is obedience to His revealed will. Question 45. What did God at first reveal to man for the rule of His obedience? Answer. The rule which God at first revealed to man for his obedience was the moral law. Question 46. Where is the moral law summarily comprehended? Answer. The moral law is summarily comprehended in the Ten Commandments. And it is in the questions that follow from this, questions 47 through 86, that we find wonderful teaching on the Ten Commandments. We will learn what each of the commandments are, what they require of us, and what they forbid. God's moral law is, first of all, used as a light to our feet in this section. What is the duty that God requires of man? Well, here it is. Here is God's moral law. Here is that God wants you to live as His creature. It is a wonderful section of our catechism. And then we come to question 87. After considering the Ten Commandments, question 87 raises this question. Is any man able perfectly to keep the commandments of God? Answer. No mere man, since the fall, is able in this life to perfectly keep the commandments of God, but daily break them in thought, word, 
or deed. That's bad news, isn't it? The law has been used as a light to our feet, and rightly so. But here we begin to see the law used in a different way. The law here is beginning to be used as a disciplinarian to show us our sin, to show us our great predicament and our need for a Savior. Question 88 builds upon this. Are all transgressions of the law equally heinous? And our catechism rightly acknowledges some sins in themselves and by reason of several aggravations are more heinous in the sight of God than others. So yes, there are some sins that are more serious than others. They do more damage. They bring more destruction. Question 89 then asks, what does every sin deserve? Answer, every sin deserveth God's wrath and curse, both in this life and in that which is to come. So you can see that the law has now been used in two ways. As a light to our feet, answering the question, what is the duty which God requireth of man? Well, here it is. Here is the moral law. And it has been used in this second way as a disciplinarian to drive us to Christ, to show us our need for a Savior. No one keeps this law perfectly. Yes, there are some sins that are worse than others. We can acknowledge this, but every sin deserves God's wrath and curse, both in this life and in that which is to come. It is in question 90 that we find relief. What does God require of us that we may escape His wrath and curse due to us for sin? First of all, the question itself brings relief because it suggests that there is, there is a way of escape. Answer, to escape the wrath and curse of God due to us for sin, God requires of us faith in Jesus Christ. Repentance unto life with the diligent use of all the outward means whereby Christ communicates to us the benefits of redemption. So what is the answer to the question, what is the duty that God requires of man? I want you to see that really there are two answers to this now that we are fallen into sin. One, now that we are fallen into sin, we must turn from our sin and trust in Christ. If we are to be made right with God, this is the thing we must do. We must turn from our sin and trust in Christ. Two, having been forgiven by Christ, we are to keep God's law out of gratitude for what God has done through Christ to save us from our sins. We are to keep God's law out of gratitude for what God has done for us and from a heart renewed and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Uh, Brothers and sisters who are in Christ Jesus, will we keep God's law perfectly, even if we have been born again, even if we have been forgiven? The answer is no. We still break God's law in thought, word, and deed daily, but we have a Savior. We have a mediator between us and God, one who has paid for our sins. To Him we must go again and again. So what things are chiefly contained in the Holy Scriptures I might also ask the question, what is our catechism mainly about? Our catechism is correct. The Holy Scriptures chiefly contain what man ought to believe concerning God and what what duty God requireth of man.